The Toolshed is a mission-driven, education-based sex toy store located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. More than your typical adult store, the Toolshed provides quality, body-safe products that enhance the sexual lives and relationships of their customers, and they do it all in a comfortable, compassionate, and welcoming atmosphere. Not located near Milwaukee? That's okay. The Toolshed's online shop at www.toolshedtoys.com serves customers all over the world. The Toolshed strives to be the source for accurate, up-to-date information about sexual health and pleasure. Their store is staffed by sexual educators who are invested in providing sex-positive and inclusive support to their customers throughout their lifespan, no matter where they're from. The Toolshed stocks a large selection of products made from body-safe materials. They have sex toys for folks of all genders, orientations, and inclinations, including gear for strap-on play, vibrators to stimulate a variety of body parts, BDSM gear, kink supplies, and much more. The Toolshed is also proud to offer a large inventory of gender expression supplies like binders, soft packers, shaping underwear, and breast forms. Last but not least, the Toolshed stocks lots of great books on topics like ethical non-monogamy, how to negotiate consent, kinky play, sexual pleasure, sexual health, and so much more. They've got over 500 different titles in stock at their Milwaukee location and host a regular monthly book club too. Every day, the Toolshed staff answers questions about products, pleasure, health, and relationships, all without shame or stigma. The Toolshed also offers in-person and online private consultations for people who have in-depth questions about any of those things, as well as other subjects like communication and relationships, establishing healthy boundaries, fertility basics, alternative menstrual products, and other topics folks deal with every day as sexual beings. You can visit the Toolshed in person at 2427 North Murray Avenue in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or you can check out our online store at www.toolshedtoys.com. From now through the end of 2019, you can use promo code POLY2019, P-O-L-Y-2019, at checkout for 10% off your next purchase. Thanks. Hey there, and welcome to Polyamory Uncensored, a podcast where we, your hosts, Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams, interview a poly person each episode, and we try to answer the five tenets of journalism, who, what, when, where, and why, as it pertains to our poly lives. You are listening to episode 12, where we chat with Katie. Stay tuned as we delve into the good, the bad, the ugly, and the just plain complicated truths about our poly lives. All right, well, Katie, who are you? I am an artist, a mom. I consider myself an activist and um, a person, you know, sort of just exploring uh, my life at this point in time. Cool. How do you identify in terms of your poly life? Uh, I guess I would say at this point I'm a recovering serial monogamist. Um, <laughs> I, I've spent a lot of years um, going from one long-term monogamous relationship to another and just sort of not really feeling fulfilled in that life. Um, and so in terms of, of my poly life, I... I can't necessarily identify as poly at this point because I haven't really experienced a poly relationship, um, but it's definitely something that I'm exploring further to see. You know, I'm I'm on a journey in my life where I'm sort of discovering new things about myself almost on a daily basis, just uh, living an authentic life and how that um, just starts to open things up for me in 
in doing that, um, it's really, it's really interesting to see all the different layers of myself and how, when I live an authentic life and I'm really true to my feelings that what that opens up for me. So I guess that's sort of <laughs> off on a tangent, but in terms of how I identify, yeah, definitely, um, no longer monogamous, I think. Yeah, that mm -hmm. works. Yeah, um, this is going to be a little bit of a unique episode in that uh, you are our first guest who doesn't necessarily identify as poly, but also um, doesn't identify as monogamous. But yeah, so I thought this would be a really interesting episode to have you on. Um, our next question is kind of like, what is your origin story? And so I know you said that um, you've told me uh, before the podcast that you're getting into polyamory and, and you're starting to think about it, but... What initially drew you to polyamory? Um, well, I learned about polyamory probably around the early 2000s, I think. Um, I had a friend who was dating and kind of dated some polyamorous folks and was sharing that experience with me. And, um, you know, kind of then I think at around that same time was like we were seeing TV shows like Big Love and mm -hmm. stuff like that starting to come out. And so um, I just sort of started to learn about it like through polygamy stuff too as well as my friends experience dating polyamorous people and um it I was immediately drawn to like the idea of the freedom that comes with polyamory and that um you know it, it really made sense to me it was something that I thought well why aren't more people doing this like why isn't this actually the way that that things work so I would say that was probably when I first realized that I I believed in the concept of it um, and then, you know, I believe I introduced it to the father of my child. We were in a relationship for 12 years. I introduced the idea to him because I was not feeling fulfilled in that relationship. Um, but I didn't necessarily want to leave it either. You know, we were great co-parents and I thought, well, couldn't I still maintain this family that I had created and go out and get my needs met in other ways without breaking up this unit for my daughter. Um, unfortunately, he did not see things the same way, and eventually we split up. Um, but it was probably several years uh, later that, I would say at least two or three years later, that we actually split up. Um, it was just, polyamory was nothing that he would have been able to do, I don't think, just based on his mindset about things. Um, but that's when it first entered. And so then I thought, once I split up from him, I thought, well, maybe I just need to find the right monogamous relationship. And did that you know, went to through a couple monogamous relationships. I'm currently in a relationship that um, up until recently has been pretty monogamous um, until I started to realize, again, I love this person a lot, um, but not all my needs are being met, which makes sense because not all of my needs are ever met in any relationship that I have. So why should a romantic relationship be somehow magical in ways that, you know, other relationships are not, so... So what has been um, difficult about exploring this for you, if anything? Um, well, I think coming from the monogamous place that I'm coming from, um, sort of jumping into it, like I, I didn't have any real like, soft introductions or, or anything, so it's kind of like a, a, life, a huge lifestyle change to even consider it. So I find that that's a little bit difficult, but... Um, Consequently, 
in doing some soul searching and talking with my partner about our options, you know, we've kind of started to change the way that looks for our relationship. So it's not quite as hard, but I think um, we live in a very heteronormative structure that isn't necessarily on purpose, but just kind of the result of, you know, being in monogamous relationships and just sort of doing what we thought. You know, I think for me, I can't speak for him, but for me, I think I just always thought that I was broken because I couldn't make, like, the monogamous relationship work exactly the way I was sold it, that it should work. Um, and so kind of undoing some of that, you know, that some of that shame idea that is inside of me that, like, I can't, um, you know, if I can't do it this way, something's wrong with me. You know, it's like I'm starting to accept that, oh, maybe the system is what's broken and not me. You know, maybe the kind of personality that I have and the kind of person that I am, I need to be, you know, I'm extroverted in every other aspect of my life. Why not romantically as well? So, um, you know, those are some of the challenges. It's just kind of getting over that hump of this is, you know, what society is really cramming down my throat for most of my life. So um, undoing some of that baggage. And then, you know, I know there are people close to me in my family that probably would not be accepting of it. So um, figuring out how that looks, you know, and how to proceed with, I'm so about like living and telling my story and living authentically and being truthful and not, because for many years I tried to people please and be something else. And that didn't work for me. It didn't make me happy. And I've done away with that, but there's still not, everyone in my life that can hear every bit of me it's just they can't they can't handle it you know I can be who I am but they can't so um for me to be able to be open about this with everyone is probably not something I can do at this time so that's a challenge too is just how do I navigate that and how does that look for you know my partner as well and what does polyamory mean to you I would say it, it really means a freedom to Again, just be who I am uh, in whatever way that looks um, and bringing that into a romantic relationship. Uh, For me to, again, live authentically, I have to look at all the aspects of how to get my needs met. And I think the freedom in being able to not have to stay within this box that I'm put in, regardless of what the subject matter is in this case, um, you know, how my romantic relationships can look has been put into a box. And Um, polyamory means I can step outside of that and just be in the kind of relationships that that feed me and also feed my partner who I am choosing to like embark on some of this stuff with you know where we want to I think take our relationship to another level it's really hard for me to put into words but I think you guys understand what I mean Mm -hmm. it definitely takes a high level of trust yes um, so you've talked a little bit about some of the elements of this, but when did you first start questioning or, you know, know that you were poly or know that this was something you needed to explore? Uh, like I said, with my, w- with my daughter's father, the idea when I learned what it was and thought, oh my gosh, this would be perfect for my situation. Um, I think that's really when it first started to show up for me, um, I spent time in high school, like, as the other girl with 
oh man, in, in some time after high school too, where um, I was often, when men were being non-monogamous, they were choosing to be non-monogamous with me. And part of, I think, some of my issues in relationships and why monogamy was, I guess, the direction that I chose to go, I think a lot of that is tied into my identity as a fat person and how that affected my self-esteem and the ability to get naked with people to, you know, even feel like I was worthy of, you know, someone's attention or love or intimacy. I think I had, especially as a young person, I had a lot of issues around that. So, um, it affected how I was able to open up to people. And if I was able to get one partner and just settle in there, you know, that was how I got around feeling vulnerable and, you know, having to, I guess, understand how, <laughs> you know, that part of me inside was going to get, those needs were going to get met. Like, I just ignored it. So as I've grown um, in my confidence and um, accepted being fat and, like, moving through life, looking at myself in a new way, it's given me this agency to, like, pursue my desires and to really honor myself as as a whole human being and and my sex life is part of that too and so I think I'm a little bit more open now to um, having more sexual partners or being more um, I don't know just open and, and honest about who I am and about what I look like you know with other people so I think that was a big roadblock for me before. So I kind of always felt like I would love to have multiple relationships or multiple even sexual relationships with people, but I didn't have the confidence to really pursue that. Um, yeah. When did you feel different? Oh my gosh, I've always felt different. Yeah. <laughs> Since as long as I can remember. I've always felt different from other people. I've always felt like I've seen things a little differently, and I've kind of always tried to... to um, not be that way you know it was drilled into my head from a pretty young age that you know you're too loud you're too this you're too that whatever I was too much and I was not enough for most people so it was um one of those things where I just tried to fit into the box that people wanted me to and I tried every way I could think of every form of trying to people please or trying to be what I thought you wanted me to be and it never quite really worked for me you know it just I don't know. It, it wasn't, I was never fulfilled and I, it's still like people could tell that I wasn't really being authentic. So it didn't work for them either. And, uh, I'm a late bloomer when it comes to really owning my story and, and being who I am. So, um, you know, now I embrace being different and I love that. Uh, but for a long time it was just kind of like a problem for me. It caused a lot of issues in my life being, being different, but now I, I love it. So where would you say that you are on your poly journey or your poly exploration? Um, well, I my partner and I actually recently started like a long-term dating situation with another couple. And it's been really exciting. It's been really um, telling, too, for both of us. And uh, we're experiencing some compersion, which is such a new feeling, which I think is really cool. Um, and it makes me feel really, I don't know, good in a way that it's very hard to explain. But, um, you know, I feel like I'm 
shedding a lot of insecurities through this process and just through getting to know this other couple too um it's like that new relationship energy that I only ever got when I was you know hopping from one relationship to another and then the old relationships were like, well, this failed, this didn't work, so now we move on from that and we do this other thing. And this is like blending two things together. I'm still in my relationship, but I'm also experiencing this these other feelings. And, you know, that blending of those two things, I don't know, I feel like it elevates my connection with my partner and then also elevates how I'm meeting my own needs so yeah it's just a, it's a cool feeling and I think I don't know where that's gonna go and I don't know where I want it to go um but I think I just want to enjoy the moment and see you know kind of where being honest and communicating with my partner like where that takes me as an autonomous person and then where it takes us you know as two people sharing a journey together too do you have any poly goals or, uh, I know you just said you don't really know where you're going with it, but, sure. but any kind of, um, goals or expectations for the future or hopes even? Yeah. yeah. I think in terms of goals, um, I would like to see, you know, how, how I can just be as open as possible, like to the possibilities and even in terms of, you know, I've been exploring my sexuality a bit more and, I, I would love to be able to combine some of that. I feel it feels all really strangely spiritual to me, like some type. I know I'm doing some kind of soul growing from this experience. And so I guess I just hope my goals are that, that I would continue to do that and be led to people and situations that feed my soul and that are good for me in that way. And, you know, no drama, no like I hear a lot of horror stories from like monogamous people who are against polyamory like oh it's just a bunch of you know sex and then people's feelings get hurt and there's all this jealousy and it's like no I, I really think that there's a community of people out there that get it and this couple that we are dating essentially um, they, they seem to really get it and so I want to meet more people like that I want to expand um, you know my circle my community and just see where that goes So you've alluded, I think, a little bit to some of the why questions, uh, but do, is there anything else you'd like to say about why you feel like you are drawn to Polly or to exploring this? Well, I think I think there's a lot of toxic monogamy in our culture, and that stuff doesn't work for me. It's definitely not um, served me in a way that has helped me grow, and so you know, looking to what other options are there, you know, how are other people living successfully? Um, and I see the polyamorous community that's doing this successfully. And I see the community that's around that. And just the, the concept of, you know, taking the village and really, you know, making life work and raising the kids and, you know, doing that sort of community thing that appeals to me a lot. You know, I'm a, I'm a people person. I'm an extroverted person. And I believe in, uh, when I need help, like the last thing I need to do is isolate. I need a community and I need a lot of people. And I think um, for me personally, I can probably benefit from multiple relationships with healthy people. And if I can find those people, um, that's that's just good for me and my journey. So I feel like um, Polly is kind of a, a gateway to some of that 
community and better understanding of of how to work together and communicate with people. You know, I just, I feel like there's a lot of ideas in our culture that keep us separate and keep us, you know, very isolated. And I know uh, listening to previous episodes, people have talked about just the, how we've put so much distance between people. And I agree that there's tons of distance between, you know, families and parents and even partners. And um, I like the idea of bringing everybody closer together and, I don't know. I feel like I, I I think of it in terms of like a stool, you know, a three-legged stool. Like it stands up okay, but four legs, you know, or even more is really sturdy. So. Uh, and why did you agree to be interviewed today? Um, I just really like what you guys are doing, and I I feel like somebody in in my position who has you know lived a life of monogamy mostly um, could possibly benefit from seeing that there are other options out there um if monogamy is not working for you you know you may be polyamorous you know it's um it's just a great opportunity for me to explore this question and it's just so timely that it should come up exactly when you know this the opportunity to be on this podcast would come up at exactly the time when i'm beginning to explore this so um yeah, I agreed because it just felt like this was exactly where I was supposed to be today. Mm-hmm. Very Your cool. comment about, um, like, wanting to, you know, like, it, I, I, now I've lost what you just said, and this is going to sound very weird on the podcast, but oh well. Um, you said something that really resonated about, um, you know, when you, if monogamy isn't working for you, like, ex, you know, thinking that this may be a way to explore something that might work. That really, that spoke to me thinking about my journey, too. Like, I knew the way I was dating wasn't working, and I was connecting with people, and, and it was ending up with too many hurt feelings because sure. everybody wanted to be sort of on, you know, the people I was dating wanted to be on a relationship escalator, and I knew that wasn't the right fit for me. And finding people in the poly community who could kind of give me a vocabulary to better articulate what I was looking for. Absolutely. was incredibly helpful in that. I totally relate to that. Um, and I've recently realized within the last couple of years too, that the whole relationship escalator model doesn't really work for me totally. I mean, I have a child, I'm a mom and, and I love that aspect of my life, but I'm not looking to have any more kids. I'm not looking to get married or, you know, buy a house or, you know, get a dog, maybe a dog, but probably <laughs> not, not anytime real soon. You know, that that American dream, uh, quote unquote, you know, model doesn't really fit my life. Um, and I understand that I could do that all in a monogamous relationship. But when I look deeper into, um, you know, what works for me within how I'm relating to people, um, just the one kind of single person model, I don't think really works for me either. It hasn't. I mean, I have not been successful at that. And people like to say, you know, maybe it was the wrong person. Well, there can be a lifetime of wrong people one at a time, or, you know, maybe I can explore that a little faster by not, you know, having to also, um, dump the people because they didn't check all the boxes. You know, my current partner checks a lot of great boxes and there's some that he doesn't, but there might be someone else out there who would meet some of those needs for me. And why the heck not explore that? You know, I feel like it's, it's silly not to really. Uh, and then 
when it came to like a specific topic you wanted to cover, um, had you decided on one? I feel like we talked about it a little bit, but if we want to. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess the the topic that I'm probably most passionate about is just the idea of sort of undoing this monogamy culture that we've been fed, you know, our whole entire lives, especially um, for me, I pretty much uh, present heterosexual and monogamous to most people. And, and so they just have expectations for me that um, as a heterosexual monogamous person, I will do this, you know, and, and and I haven't even been totally out and identifying with my sexuality with most people because they've already formed that idea about me. And so to say, well, I actually identify as queer and non-monogamous, I mean, that would blow people's minds a lot, a lot of people's minds, not everyone's. Um, but so I think just doing that work of undoing that stuff, you know, a lot of people that I know in the queer community and stuff have been out about their queerness for a long time and it's just sort of been um you know built into how they've become an adult and I don't have that same experience and so I run into a lot of people who are you know in a certain mindset and when you have to blow that mindset out of the water with words like you know polyamorous and queer and stuff like that um it's a tough thing and I think a lot of people are up against that I talk to a lot of people who um and I, I have a friend who talks to me about his queerness and he does it very much in private because he doesn't feel like he can be honest about it to other people. And I'm the most accepting person that he knows to talk to. And I just feel like the more we talk about it, the more we normalize it. And it just any opportunity to do that is great, I think. You had mentioned before um, the concept of toxic mas uh, toxic monogamy. Um, we talk about toxic masculinity all the time, so it just comes normal. That's but, another one. Which is also a <laughs> Not problem. Unrelated. Yeah, yeah no, it, it is very, yeah, very related. Um, I'd love to get into more examples of toxic monogamy culture because I feel like um, it's not necessarily something that we've covered on the podcast yet, and it is so prevalent. In, Absolutely. Um, like do the you things think that could maybe do a short, like, what do we mean when we say yeah, it? Yeah, that's, that's what I'd love to do. Um, so I guess, do you have examples or a kind of definition of toxic monogamy culture? I guess from my perspective, um, the things that I've seen in toxic monogamy include like, um, when you're not allowed to have opposite sex friends, <laughs> that's a, that's a big problem. Um, people in relationships where there's, there's a ton of like envy and jealousy happening in a way that, um, stops the other partner from being able to be themselves and um, live authentically because their their partner has issues with them doing that. Um, at least in my experience, those are, are the two biggest ones. But I mean, just even the idea that, you know, you belong to one another and that, mm -hmm. um, you know, I am an autonomous person by myself that, you know, regardless of anyone I might be sleeping with or dating or sharing a home with, you know, I am my own person. And I think, um, toxic monogamy, there's this big us that, you know, once you're, and then, and then there's all these expectations around that too. Like once you're paired, you know, um, I've gone through that. When are you getting married? You know, when are you getting those questions? And it's like this just assumption that that's what you're going to do if you're in a relationship. So I think there's a lot of that, at least that's from my perspective, some of the things that I see in toxic monogamy. 
I see a lot of articles lately where, like, are you, is he micro-cheating? You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. sort of ridiculous, like, oh, Such your talking significant to other, other has friends who mm-hmm. they spend time with who, you know, they may have the thinnest veneer of a flirtation <laughs> with and, you know, or just are socially friendly. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I definitely that. see that as a toxic monogamy. <gasps> Big time, big time. And that that actually drives me nuts. I had someone recently on my social media, um, tr- you know, attempt to compliment me for being sexy, but also said that they were guilty of verbally cheating or verbal adultery, I think was the term that they used. A compliment is... <laughs> Adultery, cheating, and yeah, and and so I think he says he his point was that he's reluctant to tell me that he finds me attractive because he views that as or perhaps his wife views that as verbal adultery, and I just thought the concept of verbal adultery actually makes me throw up in my mouth a little bit. Right, right, right. One hundred percent agreement. Yeah, I found this great um, meme that said like what I from Tumblr the the. The username is uh, Nan King Decade, and it's uh, what I mean when I say toxic monogamy culture. Um, this user talks about uh, the normalization of jealousy as an indicator of love, which oh, I yes. totally see, especially in uh, things like music videos or or any kind of movies that we have. Um, the fundamental plot of a rom com. <laughs> yes, yes, pretty much all rom coms or any kind of like yeah. Um, there's so many. <laughs> There's so many music videos where a woman is like beating the shit out of a car because right <laughs> or looked at another woman, um, and I feel like that is not only normalized but like super encouraged, and it's uh-huh. so gross and so sad. Um, also, the um, the idea that a sufficiently intense love is enough to overcome any practical incompatibilities. So yeah. Um, <laughs> The idea that you should meet your partner's every need, and if you don't, you either you're either inadequate or they're too needy. Uh, the idea that a sufficiently intense love should cause you to cease to be attracted to anyone else. Right. I find that really ridiculous because, yeah. like, that's the most just a human like base. Right. Uh, you know, need and desire is just right. Even if you attractive. are monogamous and you don't act on those feelings, like having the feeling is right. human. Yes, I would agree. And those are some things, I mean, I've been in relationships with partners that subscribe to that bullshit. And it's, it's been, I mean, that's when I say monogamy doesn't work for me, that those are some ways that monogamy does not work for me. And unfortunately, I have yet to, uh, until my current relationship now, um, I have yet to be with anybody who wasn't really pretty much subscribing to all those things pretty heavily. Um, and I realize that a lot of that has to do with the type of people that you choose. You know, there are a lot more open-minded people and, um, but I mean, there wouldn't be toxic monogamy if it wasn't actually a thing. So I, I think it's, it is encouraged. It is everywhere. And it's the same, you know, kind of subtle microaggression type stuff that, you know, we see with other forms like of, of oppression. I feel like, a monogamy is sort of, I mean, people might not like to hear that, but that it is sort of a way to oppress us to keep us in line in some way. I don't know. I don't know where it originated or how it came to be, but... I feel like I've always read that, um, like, monogamous marriages specifically were 
uh, a result of property and, you know, uh, like keeping um, patriarchy, you know, like right. making sure that the, the lines of lineage are going to the right people. Mm. If you have multiple uh, relationships, then maybe the kids aren't yours and you can't uh. know. And back then they didn't have paternity testing in any way. So um, the only way to... And of course, this doesn't have you know. This didn't apply to men. It was just sure. women have to be monogamous. Sounds like an old idea that needs to go away, right? <laughs> I was thinking about something that you said, sort of tying it into a, a heterosexual presumption, and thinking. I don't think it's exclusive to heterosexuality. Oh, I don't either. But I do think that it is one of those ways that intersectionality really shows differently. Yeah. And I'm thinking. I'm also a parent, and I'm thinking about. I can't remember what school community I was in, but I was with a group of uh, moms who were expressing that they would be very uncomfortable with the idea of their husbands having um, women friends who were close mm. because they would feel like this was a thing. But there was like a clear, of course, you know, that wouldn't apply to you. Hmm. As in the time I was in a monogamous uh, lesbian relationship. Sure. And like, hmm. <laughs> Yes, that's true. They're not applied to me. I'm not going to be in a relationship with your husband. But (laughs) But not why you think structurally, that's not like none of this is very doesn't make sense. And yeah, so and also it just it shows a a really sad lack of trust. Like I only trust my husband around people who either cannot be attracted to him because they're heterosexual men, or they are lesbian women like it's just so ridiculous and does that also mean they they would um be okay they would not be okay with their husband being around a gay man <laughs> like or right well and <laughs> i think actually in that case they would trust that their husband's homophobia would <laughs> <laughs> step in there and yeah, take care yeah. of anything but but it's a really interesting cultural norm mm-hmm. and yeah it, and one that i think mm-hmm. is similarly very uncomfortable and yes. dangerous and not, you know, like you said, goes to a shocking lack of trust and communication mm-hmm. between people who are supposed to be partnered. Absolutely. And that's probably one of the first, like, red flags I've ever noticed where I'm like, well, so what actually are you afraid of? Should I have a male friend? What then is the next step there mm-hmm. that we're going to sleep together? Well, then, if that were to happen, how does, you know, what does that then mean? So mm-hmm. that I'm capable of having sex with another person besides you. I am a human being. So right. should that ha- is functional. Right. Mm-hmm. Should that happen? Like, again, then what does that mean? I think that's what's loaded with all kinds of toxic stuff. That if, you know, your girlfriend or your wife has sex with another man, you know, what does that mean about your masculinity and, mm-hmm. you know, your mm-hmm. identity and all of that kind of stuff? And once... Uh, my partner and I were able to look at that and sort of like unpack that, and he's like, "Yeah, actually, I you're pretty hot, so you probably would, you know, benefit from having sex with other people." <laughs> you know, he's able to make that connection and understand it, and realizes that you know it's actually about me communicating with him, and being honest. That if I were to have sex with someone else and not tell him about it. That's really what the problem is. Not that I would have sex with someone else. It's that I would lie and be yeah. dishonest. And once you get past that and you realize, well, we're just human beings and we all, you know, we all get a boner for somebody else. <laughs> you know, it just happens. But at the same time, the underlying assumption that sort of sparks that conversation is really 
such a strong heterosexual presumption. Yes. Like, so you can go off and have all the women friends that right. you want, and mm-hmm. God forbid that mm-hmm. you or they should be attracted to one another. Oh, and one of the things I've seen in a lot of um, heterosexual monogamous relationships is that it's totally okay for the wife to bring another woman in, and, you know, that's completely safe to the toxic male, but, you know, uh, God forbid you bring a man into that situation, you know, it's a completely different ball game, and that's also pretty gross, I think, too, just that whole assumption that one one thing is okay and the other isn't or mm-hmm. you know that somehow Female relationships aren't valid right yeah, right and they're not a threat right it, absolutely it, there's just an assumption of like performance to mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it's not an authentic relationship it's a relationship that you're going to act out for his fantasy purposes right, right. right, right. so something you were saying actually uh, reminded me that I think that thinking about polyamory, not necessarily even being, um, like identifying that way or, or actually actively being polyamorous and dating multiple people, but I think having the framework and ideals in mind, are, it has to be pretty liberating to a lot of people who have lived in toxic monogamy culture all of their life, because especially with queer folks, how much more like enjoyable is a relationship when you can say, wow, that person is hot, and your partner go, yeah, they are, wow. And you know, like, Mm -hmm. and you can actually just be open and honest, because in a lot of monogamous relationships, you're not allowed to admit attraction to other people, and you're not allowed to really just say how you feel in any way. And that must be so sad. (laughs) I just feel like that's so sad. Absolutely, and it reminds me of um, in my early 20s when I got into the relationship with my daughter's father, um, some of the hang-ups that I had around his watching pornography or his being attracted to other women, I realized that I was taking that on, that I wasn't good enough for him. You know, I immediately turned it to, um, you know, if he's attracted to other people and he's going to get sexually aroused um, by looking at other women, it's because my body isn't good enough. And that's, there's a whole bunch of baggage from, you know, growing up fat and all that kind of stuff that I carry with me about that. Um, But I realize that that's probably where a lot of other people are coming from too. I see it a lot with women in heterosexual relationships where they, um, you know, they feel that their man being attracted to any other woman means they're not attractive. And I think that's just, I mean, that's just false. You know, um, we are all, and I tried to turn it to myself, like, well, do I think other men besides the man I'm with are attractive? Of course I do. doesn't mean that I don't also find him attractive. So I had to sort of rationalize that in my own head, but I realized that my self-esteem issues really played into how much I believed in monogamy and how hard I would enforce it um, because I wasn't, I, I couldn't at that time stand with my partner and both look at, you know, a woman and appreciate her beauty. I would be envious of her beauty and I would feel like, let me not point that out to him because it's just going to make me feel worse about me. Um, and of course I've come completely out of that mindset, thankfully, and um, I feel so much better now, but mm-hmm. I think that's where a lot of people are coming from too with this. I think you're absolutely right about that. I mean, you know, it shows up for you in a particular way because of your story, but I think that culturally women are trained to be so insecure mm-hmm. and so measure themselves up against completely impossible ideals that we all walk around these big bags of insecurity for yes. quite an extended mm-hmm. period of time. You know, and maybe some people are more 
crippled by it in some ways. I don't. I, yeah. That's not the word I'm looking for, but more, it it, it has a more difficult impact on different people because of whatever other personality traits yeah. but it's nobody's immune and learning how to find that confidence and to trust that your partner is really attracted to you and they can be attracted to other people yes. too is it's a learning curve for a lot of people i think absolutely and i'm i'm on that journey and it's and it feels really good to get to that point where i feel good enough about myself <laughs> that i can i can be here and even be talking about this and and that um you know my partner and i can be looking at you know sex with another couple as you know a way to bring us closer together and to grow our relationship and not as um you know a way to feel insecure it's just it's it's opened up a lot for me, you know, just in feeling feeling good around other people and, and in myself. I don't know. I I perform burlesque, and so I do take my clothes off in front of people, which is like one layer of of intimacy that I break through, you know. Um, but this is different than that. Even you know, having actual um, intimate time with other people in a group setting is a it's definitely a a different thing and I think um it's going to help me really feel more confident with you know what I'm bringing to the table and and that I'm just willing to do it at all says a lot about where I was when I first was in that relationship with my daughter's father in my early 20s and how how I felt about myself and my body and what I deserved and my worth like how far I've come from that time it's amazing so I'm very grateful for that do you have any advice that you would give um, folks that are monogamous or identify as like a serial monogamous but want to get out of that um, cycle uh, that are maybe interested in polyamory but don't know maybe uh, where to start do you have any advice as someone who's beginning their journey? Well, listen to this podcast, <laughs> for sure. Start Absolutely. from the beginning and just listen and listen to to people talk about how, you know, this has changed their lives for the better. And, um, you know, I think seeking out a community of people who are living in a way that is different from you. I mean, that's, I think being cultured is just good at all. Um, but to do this, you know... As somebody who it's like, yeah, I know this isn't working. Well, how do I find something that does work? You have to talk to people. You have to immerse yourself in the community and um, just learn about it and and sort of see how it and be open to trying to see how it might fit into your life. Um, I say an open mind, an open heart, and you know, open ears. Just listen to people and and just be open to possibilities that this could be for you too. Very cool. I guess we're kind of nearing uh, the end of the topic anyways, but is there anything you'd like to add before we end the podcast? Yeah, wrap things up. Um, no, I just really want to thank you guys for this opportunity to talk about this and to explore this in my life. I mean, you didn't give me the opportunity to explore it in my life, but <laughs> you gave me the opportunity to talk about it. Um, and, and, you know, the questions that I got ahead of time, you know, prompted, prompted me to really think about it a little bit deeper um and it's also helped with this couple that we're dating to like communicate exactly how we feel and um and they feel the same and stuff like that so it's it's really um opened up some doors so i'm just really grateful and thanks well, for thanks letting so me much be for here. being part of it well, thank yeah. you 
All right, so that is it from us at Polyamory Uncensored. We have been Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams. We'd like to thank my husband Rob for helping us through our many sound issues and thank myself for editing the podcast so we sound smart. You can follow us on Facebook at Polyamory Uncensored, contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com, and if you'd like to support us at all, you can send us a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash polyamoryuncensored and simply click on the support this podcast button. We will forever be grateful for any contribution you can manage to making this podcast better and more efficient. We hope you have enjoyed this episode and remember, we love you. Bye. Bye.